Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. I know every drop I talk about how excited I am. And I always use that word. I know I do. I'm guilty totally, but I am really excited about our guest today and, and our, our time together talking about digital transformation and talk about physician leadership and talk about innovation, uh, just from a, just a super, super clinician and, and friend, just kind person. And I think you're really going to enjoy this time and understand why I'm so excited about it, but with a big focus on innovation and, and DJ Megan, before we, Jump in uh, on innovation. What do you think about when you hear the word innovation? When I hear the word innovation, I think of out of the box, creative, forward thinking. But Ed, didn't you write a book on innovation? Yeah, yeah. We, we did a book on innovation back in 2019. Um, and uh, there's going to be a second edition, which is kind of some breaking news that people will hear about. So it, it uh, was a bestseller. All the proceeds actually went to Cleveland Clinic uh, to cure cancer. And um, there's going to be a second edition. And yeah, I, I love innovation. And you're going to hear a lot about innovation from our guest, who is Dr. Piyush Mather. And he is an anesthesiologist. He's on the medical staff at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, but he's also an innovator, an AI guru, uh, really tremendous thinker when it comes to innovation and different things that he's doing about. So Piyush, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you, Ed. I'm, I'm truly honored to be part of this. Yeah. And I, I was trying to think when we first met, I don't know if it was just through medical staff, but at some point, I think probably some medical staff venue, but at some point you were starting this and we're going to talk a little bit about it in a minute, uh, this brain X community. And, uh, and that's when we, we first like got to really know each other. And I, and I remember going to your meetings, you know, cause they were, uh, in the same, in the academic hall where my office was, and I would go to the meetings and I was so, so always impressed and blown away by all these super smart physicians and who at night or in their off times would, would be creating these just um, amazing things. And then, but you'd put always the pressure back on me though, because I was always like a little bit shy about being there. And you'd be like, Ed, what do you think? You know, and everyone would turn thinking, oh, there's going to be a profound answer here by the chief information officer of the Cleveland Clinic. But oftentimes you, you all were way beyond me. So it was, it was kind of fun. I learned so much from. From that, but I think that's the first time uh, that we met. And then, you know, the the question we ask Peach everyone is, what are the songs on your playlist? So, trying to get to know you a little bit as a person, what what kind of music do you listen to? Well, one of my f- favorite uh, group of songs is from Greatest Showman, uh, a, a great movie, a great playlist, and I love that, especially uh, the song called A Million Dreams. But it always makes me think, you know, of the possibilities, very positive, very energizing. So that's always uh, top of my playlist. Yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a good one. And what about your personal mantra or statement? Is there some sort of life message that you have that you sort of carry with you throughout your professional or personal life? Yeah, I, I try to keep it simple. Uh, and uh, again, a great movie, a great book and something that is there uh, that was uh, told to us by the founding fathers of United States, Pursuit of Happiness. So that's my mantra. I love that. That's great. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, personal and professionally, uh, you know, who you are and how you got to the clinic. Yeah. So I was born in India and I did my medical school uh, training in India. 
And then subsequently, I came here in 2001. Uh, I did my residency in anesthesiology and my uh, critical care fellowship and subsequently uh, fellowship in quality improvement here at the Cleveland Clinic. And I have, since 2001, I've been here. Uh, I have had the great opportunity uh, to uh, support the work and lead the work related to quality improvement and compliance uh, for Anesthesiology Institute since 2011. And uh, my daily practice uh, includes working in the operating room, uh, working in the ICU, working with the rapid response teams, and then uh, the digital part of that, which is the uh, tele-ICU or tele-critical care uh, that we provide for. Uh, And it's been a, a great journey. That's how I got to meet you. That's how I've got to meet so many smart people from different uh, uh, aspects of life, Uh, learned a lot from everyone. And it just is an amazing place uh, where not just developing that network and learning within, but also uh, outside of Cleveland Clinic through interactions with various different society members and and groups. So it's, it's it's been a great journey here. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, that's over 20 years that you've been uh, at the clinic now. That's great. That's right. So you're, you know, when I think about you and, you know, all the different things that you do, in addition to your clinical practice, I think a lot about innovation, digital transformation, and definitely AI. How did you develop this interest? Like, did it start when you were a kid or was it after you got into clinical practice? How how did you get into it? No, that's a great question. And, and, you know, along with the mantra of uh, pursuit of happiness, one of the things that uh, I've always believed in is, is problem solving. You know, we, we continuously need to solve the problems that we are we are dealing with or the cards that we are dealt with. And uh, paired with that is a learning process. So after I finished my quality fellowship over here, and as we were transforming from a hospital to a health system in a major way, uh, Cleveland Clinic was expanding. It was going to Florida. It was going to to Abu Dhabi and many other places and, and growing within Cleveland. One of the challenges that we were faced with uh, was how do you manage the data related to quality and patient safety? Because all of a sudden, the Excel sheet rows and columns were continuously expanding. And we, I just couldn't pivot them anymore. It was very hard to, to analyze that data for me in the traditional manner. And I always thought like there must be a better way of... of uh, analyzing this data. And that's when I started my quest to learn uh, machine learning and AI better. I didn't even know computer programming at that point of time. This is around five, six years ago. And that's where I started my journey to to learn computer programming, to get training in machine learning and AI. And and it's it's just been a journey all through uh, since then. And we have learned a lot. I have learned a lot. And uh, there are a lot of uh, projects we have done. I do hands-on programming related to machine learning and AI. And it's just been a great opportunity. That's great. And that's pretty interesting because sometimes people sort of have that super techie bent uh, in their youth. And then they go on into medicine. In your case, you were more uh, into medicine. And then you... you had this problem of all this data and then that's what spurred this innovation and oh, I can, uh, there's different ways of, of leveraging uh, this data and analyzing it. So can you give like one example of how you've leveraged data in or AI in clinical practice? Yeah, uh, one of the recent examples is uh, where we did a project 
to learn from what the patients are telling us. So patients uh, who come for their care here uh, subsequently fill out a Press Guinea survey, and we get a lot of comments in those surveys. And uh, learning from the natural language processing tools and various machine, other machine learning techniques, uh, I knew we could leverage those to understand and gain insights into those those comments. So we did a project where we combined a few different algorithms together to analyze 15,000 plus patient comments in less than a minute and gain insight into those comments and identify areas for opportunity. So instead of doing this manually, here you can leverage an algorithm that, that does it with a high degree of accuracy provides you with a great insight. And we were uh, able to publish this in uh, in the Journal of Medical Intelligence too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a great, great example. I think because people struggle with that, right? Especially when things are, are handwritten or, or uh, in an open field and then developing the capability through NLP and other things to uh, actually take that data and actualize it and take advantage of it and actually Im- improve things, act on it. Uh, so I think this this next question I have for you probably will lead into BrainX, but I'm really curious how you stay current up to date because it's one thing as a clinician, right? The the amount of things that you need to read and be exposed to on a continuous basis to improve your practice as there's new technologies and new things that come in, but you're also you know much more active than that you know with AI and things like that. So how do you stay current? How do you, how do you you know keep up with all the change? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I think that will lead us to to BrainX community. But uh, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, every year I pick one of the tools or techniques that is there related to AI that I that I want to learn. And I uh, not just finish a coursework, and we are blessed in this day and age to have access to these high quality courses from Stanford, MIT, and many other places across the world. Uh, and you can do those at your own time uh, through through the different digital means. So I do those projects, do those courses, and I always try to implement them in some way, uh, working, collaborating with various different groups. So what you'll find on my LinkedIn profile is there there would be a course that I might have completed on NLP, and subsequently there might be a publication of the work that we did related to that. So we do hands-on learning and implementation of of the same. But one of the things that uh, a lot of people don't understand uh, or they misunderstand is that AI is uh, is a continuously evolving field, and you have to continuously stay on top of the latest tools and techniques there. Many people think you just learn programming once and, and you'll be done and, and you can get into it now. It, 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 just like healthcare, it's an evolving science. There are, there's so much literature. There's so much to learn. And, and that's why we formed BrainX Community, a platform where we could all learn this together. Yeah, so let's let's shift into that. As I mentioned at the top of our time together, I, I used to attend when I lived up in in Cleveland and was just fascinated uh, all the time by the things that I was learning. So, how did you actually get it started? And what obviously part of the mission is that continuous education. But I'm just curious, uh, you know, how did it get started and what the mission is? Yeah, so uh, it started with formation of BrainX, which is which was initially founded uh, with Dr. Pepe, uh, who's my colleague and the chair of Dermatology and Plastic Surgery Institute at the Cleveland Clinic. So he, myself, uh, and few of our colleagues, Dr. Kamal Maheshwari, Dr. Yasek Sivinsky, and Dr. Ashish Khanna, we founded BrainX uh, with the idea that we should look into how we can apply in health healthcare. 
And as we did this, there was a constant ask from many other people like, what are you guys doing? What is it that AI can do? I want to learn more about it too. And that's where we created this unifying platform called BrainX Community, which not only provides a lot of learning resources to anyone for free, but also hosts monthly educational sessions where we feature uh, various different experts who have done some work to share their work. We also have the largest repository of links to open source data sets because data is a big need for, for everyone. So if you go to brainxcommunity.com, you will find the largest repository of links to open source data sets right there. We have our podcast series where we, where we have experts from across the world sharing their experiences, their learnings, and what they're doing, and a vision for the future. And we have a whole host of other resources, including uh, the different meetings and conferences that are being hosted across the world so that we can connect. But the idea was that let's build a community around us so that we all learn together, we all grow together, and through that, we, we can really help and nurture each other and foster collaboration. Yeah, that, that's awesome, and and I know the data sets were are a godsend to many people because you you would uh, have this great idea and a hypothesis, and you'd have to test it on you'd make up some dummy data, or uh, it was very limited data available to actually prove these theories. And then by having these uh, data sets that you've all made available, I remember some of the some of the individuals who were presenting having you leverage those, and you know it really made a big difference because, like I said, you could prove out your theory on, on large data sets and and not be limited to to uh, sort of a play you know a very limited playground type of situation. So that's that's great. T- can you talk about a little bit about the the numbers in terms of uh, uh, you know is it ten countries? I don't know if you keep track of this, but t- uh, colleagues from ten countries participate on the global level, or is it? Is it larger than that? It's just uh, give us a sense of of the size and scale. I, I know it has a global reach, like you uh, talked about. Yes, so it's all inclusive. Uh, we have members who are who are clinicians, who are machine learning experts, students, or people from all walks of life who are members. Uh, we started four years ago, and the overall membership is over four thousand uh, internationally now. We do have a LinkedIn group also, which is a very active. A social media group, and we share a lot of information over there, including the latest research studies, including the latest upcoming meetings and, uh, and other information. And that LinkedIn group has crossed 2,000 members within four years. Uh, so we have had a global reach, and our mission has been uh, machine learning in healthcare for good. That's why all the resources are available for free. Yeah, that's awesome. What's next for, for BrainX, BrainX community? What, what, what's your vision long-term? Yeah, so we, we we have been doing a lot of research uh, research work with BrainX, and that's one big part of it. There are a lot of publications that have come out from our group. We do a year-end review uh, so that people know the landscape of AI in healthcare. Uh, we have also started consulting services a couple of years ago, so we are available for consultation for those uh, who want any questions addressed for AI in healthcare. And then lastly, the, the BrainX community, which has been growing uh, constantly a unifying platform for anyone and everyone who want to collaborate and and share information. Yeah, and and I found the year in review in particular that's uh, great. You all put that together. It's a great uh, resource uh, for anyone. And like you said, doing uh, AI healthcare for good and and 
and uh, having these free resources is just tremendous. So I really do encourage all of our listeners to take advantage of this community that you and some other of your colleagues have have created. Let, let's pivot a little bit and talk about uh, the future. So we'll, we'll stick first at a high level, but then I want to come back to AI, where you think we're headed with AI. Uh, but when you think about digital healthcare, and, and when you think about, you know, it, I don't want to lead you, uh, Piyush, to any particular answer. We can talk about this uh, area, you know, for, for a little bit here. But, you know, in addition to virtual care and AI and, and, and things like that, where, where do you think we're headed uh, with healthcare? And digital, you know, the digital portion of that. Yeah, so I think uh, in my assessment, we are still very early. I think we have just implemented and we have just implemented successfully EHRs in most of the places. That still is is an early yeah. phase in my opinion. We are still trying to figure out what's the best use of these electronic health records. We are early in the phase of maturing these data sets and databases at these institutions. Uh, I don't think we are in digital healthcare world yet. I think we are in digital sick care world. I think we need to yeah. pivot to digital healthcare world. And what that means is, I think we need to reach our patients outside of sick care, which is outside of hospitals. And we are seeing some early evidence uh, of that. We are seeing certain devices, certain gadgets, uh, certain platforms being built through which we can collect information, where we can share information, where we can continuously monitor our patients, where we can interact with our patients. We are still majorly in digital sick care world, but I think we will transform to digital healthcare world uh, as we use these devices, as we get to reach our patient and have like a continuous connection with them. That's when we will transform to digital healthcare. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I, I agree with you. Yeah, very early uh, digital yeah, instead of digital health, we'll call it digital uh, sick care, and uh, but headed towards uh, digital healthcare thanks to you and others like you and, and what the work that BrainX is doing. What about AI? So we saw some early, right? We're early with AI, obviously. We've seen some early, you know, indicators of the potential, and you you shared one example earlier. Um, where, where do you think? Uh, we might be with AI in a few years in terms of, you know, really helping on the clinical side. Yeah, I, I think we we are early in AI too. What we have seen in the past few years is a lot of research work that has gone, on, gone into it. We have seen construction of some robust uh, databases. What we're learning is that the journalization and scalability of these projects is a big challenge for us. What we're learning is that these data uh, elements have significant biases which are creeping into these algorithms. What we have learned is that implementation of these algorithms is very, very challenging in our clinical areas. So where we are with this right now is a lot of research work. The next step for us is translational work. And that's where, where a lot of work is going in. And the publications which were increasing in number, they are improving in maturity of their levels. So we are seeing that transformation happen. And the next step for, for AI in healthcare is going to be more on the implementation side. More, more work needs to be done over there. Uh, and that's where we are going with AI in healthcare. And, and that is very encouraging uh, because if you think about the journey, just like 10, 15 years where you have seen this transformation uh, or most of this transformation, I think that is exceptional. Yeah. Yeah. I like that that concept too of, of moving 
now into uh, sort of that translational phase. So, you know, you and I work great together, at least I, I like to think so. Um, what, what would your advice be for, you know, because some of our audience are CIOs and chief digital officers and uh, clinicians. What would your advice be for uh, CIOs and CDOs to working with clinicians? You know, having a good relationship, because here, here's my premise is a lot of times um, so, some CIOs, CDOs might be threatened by, you know, clinicians who are thinking these great ideas and bringing these to the table and it could cause friction or does cause friction in some organizations. Um, but how, what, what might be a good model or some ideas that you have based on your experience on, on having a good working relationship? No, I, I think I had a great relationship with, with yourself and uh, I have a great relationship with many of the CIOs and CDOs uh, across the country or across the world. And I think the, it, it starts with mutual understanding. It, understand, it starts with mutual understanding of the the goals and targets. It also under, starts with understanding of expectations on both sides of, of our work. So the clinical side and on the IT implementation side. Because sometimes when there is uh, this disconnect, it is a lot because of different expectations. Uh, sometimes the clinicians expect, well, if Google can do this, why can't you do this? But there are different tools that we have and there are different implementation challenges that we have. So that basic understanding helps in, in developing uh, uh, mutual expectations so that we can have a unified platform. The other uh, aspect of that is common language. And that is something that BrainX and BrainX community has heavily focused on so that we understand we talk the same language. When I'm talking about machine learning or AI, it's not magic, it's a science. Uh, the same way when you are talking about different aspects of EHR implementation or database and all, if we are talking the same language and or have basic understanding of the same language, it makes us work in a better way together. So I think it is on both sides. The CIOs and CDOs uh, need to understand the expectations, need to sometimes temper the expectations. And on the clinician side, we need to, to understand what are the true potentials of uh, IT in our workspace and how we can leverage them. Yeah, that, that's really sage advice. And, and, you know, one of the keys that I picked up working with you and, and what you were just saying is really, if you're a CIO, CDO is to engage, don't be threatened by clinicians who have great ideas or, or great tech, tech aspirations, but engage with them. And that's why I love being part of the BrainX community, still there on the periphery, watching what you're all doing all the time. Uh, and I, I learned a lot and it opened up my eyes. And I always think, you know, it, don't limit yourself to just what you might have for a vision for your organization from, from a digital or tech point of view, because it's going to be too narrow. So you got to hang out with the clinicians and patients and things like that. And in fact, I think you know this, right? I, I served uh, in the department, uh, in, in the Anesthesia Institute as well, once a week, uh, you know, in the OR and uh, just to, to learn and, and understand and, and engage. So. So uh, yeah, definitely recommend doing that. Don't be threatened by it, and and, and it's great though. It's easy for me, Piyush, because I got to work with you know someone like yourself, and so we were both very very like minded, uh, as was the rest of our organization. So um, I, I have one surprise question, and to the extent that you can answer this surprise question, uh, because I have a case in mind, but I don't, I don't know where you can go and what you can share. But uh, tell us about an interesting case that you've had. Uh, in your 20 years at the clinic, yeah, to, to the extent that you could share. Uh, I think people always are curious. 
Yeah, I think uh, you know there, there are a lot of interesting cases uh, that that or challenging cases that we we deal with. But I, I'm going to go back to a patient story again on this one, and uh, something that I was uh, taught by my mentor or trained by my mentor, and especially working in the ICU, we talk about saving lives in the ICU. But it, what my mentor, Dr. Esfandiari, uh, told me, well, it's not just about saving lives. If you can take the take the breathing tube out, take somebody off the mechanical ventilator, even a couple of hours early, you know, that, that's a great experience, uh, Im- improved experience for the patient. Even those small things ha- have significant returns. And many times we are more worried about the lab values and, and other things. But uh, this interesting case uh, relates to a, a patient uh, in whom it was a very simple act of, of taking out the breathing tube a few hours earlier. But I can tell you, that that patient has still stayed in touch with me, always thanks me for doing that. And that's the story that I tell to a lot of my clinicians that what our patients expect, what gives them the best experience is sometimes different from what we think is, is important for them. And even those small steps, even those small things matter a lot. So to make those small changes, make those small positive moves, and, and our, our patients uh, do get help with those. Yeah, that that's that's a great story. It just it just reemphasizes, you know, you're you're that you're wired that way, anyways. But certainly, your organization, you know, at the Cleveland Clinic, very wired from an empathetic approach, always going back to the patient story, uh, and and that that's a very uh, that's a very poignant one. So, thank you for sharing. So, we talked a lot of areas. We covered a lot of areas, um, all the way from sort of you know your history and how you coming to the United States and being at the clinic in 2021 and staying. Uh, for so long and doing great work there. And then we talked about digital transformation and AI. We talked a lot about BrainX and BrainX community. We talked about sort of the future digital transformation, uh, future with AI. Um, and so I wanted to leave the last uh, word with you. Is there uh, an area we didn't cover you want to speak about or an area we covered and maybe uh, have closing comments on that? Yeah, no, thank you. I'm, I'm actually thrilled to be part of this conversation, and, and I hope your lis- listeners benefit from, from this. Uh, you know, at the closing, all I would say, it's been a learning process for me all through. It's been a problem-solving process for me, so, and, and it's been a collaborative process for me, and I hope we can all be in this together, share knowledge, grow together, collaborate, and solve problems in healthcare together. No, it's been fantastic. You've been a great guest. It's so good to see you again um, and, and just hear your voice and, and talk. And it makes me really reminisce and, and think about uh, my days at the clinic and, and working together and the fun that we had. Um, so thank you so much again for being a guest on Digital Voices. Uh, I, I, I think your insights will really help our audience. Thank you, Ed. Thank you very much for having me here. All right, DJ. Megan, thank you again for being such a great producer. And we are wrapping up Digital Voices. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening. 